mindfulness mode. And if you fall off it, your willpower is going to fall. Just fill it back up later and get back on the train. Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks for joining me today. It's great to have you with me. It's, it's just awesome to sit down here in my studio and, and just feel like you are right here and the two of us are just sharing a conversation. Well, you know what? I'm talking about decisions today, eating, exercising, and deciding to flourish because a lot of this is about decisions. In fact, we make hundreds of decisions every day and many of those decisions can help us live a more or less mindful life. And I'm sure you make a lot of positive decisions that help you to definitely live a more mindful life. You would know how you feel about that, but you know, we can make decisions as to whether to meditate, decide to do yoga, decide what foods to eat, we decide to exercise, we decide to create, whatever creating means to you. And for all of those activities I mentioned, of course, we can also decide not to do them, not to exercise, not to meditate. And certainly eating and exercising are central as to how much mindfulness we are experiencing in life. But so many of those other things are too. My friend Alex Hofeld is one of those people who lives mindfulness and also understands a lot of the science behind why mindfulness works for us. Alex is a high school science teacher. And man, he has some very fortunate students, I'm telling you, because he is incredibly dedicated to the work that he does in the world. I had a conversation with Alex back in 2016, and it was such a great conversation that I've decided to replay this conversation again today. So you can also hear Alex's interview. Uh, It's not this conversation, but you can hear his interview on episode 76. So you can Type in mindfulnessmode.com slash 076. I called that episode, Let Your Brain Have a Monologue of Love, Compassion, and Understanding. I just appreciate Alex so much. In our conversation today, Alex and I talk about food, sugar, exercising, and how our decision-making has a direct influence on the level of mindfulness in our lives. We talk about willpower and about how to be strong and determined and resilient, all such important aspects of mindfulness. So sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Alex. I've got Alex Hofeld here today, and he's a scientist. He understands so much about the brain that I probably have never even thought of before. But here's a quote. It says, to understand the immeasurable, the mind must be extraordinarily quiet still. So why do you think that is, Alex? Why does the mind have to be so quiet and still in order for us to really make it work for us? That's an awesome question. It uh, The mind is, there's been quotes, which I, I'd have to find the quote for you, but scientists say that we know less about the mind than we do the universe. And the universe is 13.7 billion years old and, you know, blah, blah, blah of awesomeness. So yeah. that's a pretty staggering question if that if that's truly real. And there's always quotes in this. The best one, I, I can kind of see offer an analogy that I offer the kids to yeah. where 
it always reminds me of you know how you can't you're not supposed to plug in your cell phone all the time like to let the battery survive the longest it needs to lose its charge and gain its charge yes. as opposed to always always having it plugged in or plugging it in over and over mm-hmm. and to me that's kind of what the mind does that's how the mind kind of works it's in essence electricity it, it's a fatty massive tissue of these neurons these specialized brain cells that rewire and manipulate and change themselves so if you're constantly putting in stimulus the brain it, it, it's like it's like having like a busy streetcar and that's what it reminded me of with the with the battery to where if it's constantly having this electrical stimulus the, it can't reach its full capacity it can't hold its charge longer and it'll die quicker mm-hmm. and the battery will fizzle out so mindfulness is just you're unplugging it a little, you know, you're taking oh, yeah. the plug out even for a little bit and allowing the, the capacitor to go down so you can put more stuff back into it. So it just seems like it would be uh, just a busy neurological network. And then when you when you get it calm, then the calm brain allows for it to instead of like if you put up hold up like five fingers, I always think of it that way. If all five fingers are a stream of consciousness, as you de- disconnect the brain, some of the fingers might start going down and then you may focus on like one or two. Some of my uh some of my best yoga meditations I can remember, it was like I really got a great vibe out of it where my, my brain started like a spider. And then by the end, I was just really fixating on like one stream. You know, I remember one time I was, I was vividly rock climbing. It was like a lucid dream like crazy. And, you know, it was just like but that my brain felt so, so recharged by decharging it, you know, by letting the static go down. It actually filled it back up with a little more a little more happy ways. So, yeah, I'd say it's just neural connections, neural networks and electricity running through that amazing mind. That, that's really a great way to think about it. And I've never heard that before. So that that is really awesome. So the mind you know, is filled with electricity. And, and so that electricity, I notice with a lot of younger people, my son included, his mind is just going, going, going because he's watching YouTube videos mm-hmm. or he's, yeah, on totally. a, he's on a device. And, and then we get in the car and he literally thinks he can't go anywhere in the car if he doesn't have a device with him. Now, he, do, he is a reader, so, yeah. so he does read a lot. But how how do you think you can help a young person understand that just by sitting there riding in the car and not reading, not looking at a device, that can be a good experience. I would, I would honestly, I don't have children. I only have my, my high school kids and I've actually worked with some parents with this through some other various groups. And I think the best thing to do would be to try and have a conversation with them about mindfulness. You could call it it or just keep it chill and then just off, ask him if he'll do it with you for 30 seconds to a minute, you know, Mm -hmm. like just sit down with him outside of the car or whatever. And I would just say, try and increase and increase the amount of mindfulness moments throughout the day with him. And then I always think kids respond to big body movements. So like I'll, sh- I'll, in- I'll inhale and I'll shrug my shoulders up and like they'll watch me and they'll do mm-hmm. it. And you have your eyes open. You just keep it really relaxed. Mm-hmm. And then as you get talking to them, talk to them a little bit about it and then explain it to them. And you could almost like trick them into mindfulness. But yeah, the, the device thing is, is really scary. It, I almost, I almost like, and en- not envy. Uh, what's the word? I, I almost feel bad for the kids. They're just, they're yeah. so hot wired into it. And like I'm telling you, that Race to Nowhere documentary was really wild about the stress of kids. And yeah, it's just you think of like what I'm talking about with just the electricity. It's constant, instant feedback, instant gratification. I, I feel like the kids of today are, are a little hot wired. You know, yeah. like as an as a teacher, it I, it's very it's it's like a performing art. I feel like I got to teach myself into the ground. Otherwise, they're going to fall asleep. Yes. Or go play or go play some silly game. And I do it, too. You know, I, yeah. I, I there's yeah. a couple of games on my phone I'm way too addicted to, you know, and yeah. we live in the same society. But 
you just as you I'd say just try and do a mindfulness practice with him and see if he's open to it. And then mm-hmm. as that permeates, it'll just you know how it goes. It'll yeah. it'll just kind of permeate into your everyday life as opposed to just fixating. You know, kids don't like being really told what to do. Even myself, my mom's like, "Can you get off your phone?" I'm like, "Oh, sh- you know, be quiet, mom. Like, I can do what I want." <laughs> but then now yeah. I know she says that I'm like, "Okay, she's probably right. Put it yeah. on right." You know, because yeah. I'm I'm just hopefully becoming a little more mindful in my life. But yeah. I just say would try and just start a little mini practice with them, and then permeate. And who knows? Like the kids just kind of gravitate to it. I, I kids that are. That's what didn't do it at the beginning are kind of doing it now in class and the ones and then there's some that are you'll be blown away at how how into it they may be. And then I'm assuming over time you could just kind of if you wanted him off the phone or just you would remind him a little bit like, hey, why don't we have a mindful moment in the car and just look out the window, you know, or mm-hmm. something. And right. I don't know. I, again, I, I, yeah. I'm not a I'm not a parent. And yeah. I, don't, I can only offer what I think would happen. <laughs> well, I want to talk to you about exercise and fitness. And I know you're into all of that kind of thing. And you know what? It really does amazing things for our brains. I know that. But I want to hear your comment. What are your thoughts on what exercise does for your brain? Well, yeah, it, neuro neurochemical stuff for sure. You increase serotonin. You mm-hmm. increase serotonin and decrease cortisol, which, you know, cortisol is the enemy. Cortisol is not your friend, where serotonin is the happy drug. But it honestly, a good, it all starts with nutrition. Nutrition is numero uno, and then fitness is, num- is number two. And then I, we always, I just kind of call fitness, I, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on your guest, but I re- listened to a couple of your podcasts, and she, mm-hmm. she called it her movement practice. And uh, that's kind of, uh, that she was one of the, she was a fitness instructor. I lost it. I'm sorry. Right, she, okay. uh, she, that's what the kind of the, the new buzz term is movement practice. Like for me, I do CrossFit, I do yoga, I do mountain biking, I, I try and ski. I was a college golfer, so I still play a lot of golf. And I'll just try and stay as active as possible, play tennis with my students. So when you do new, when you do fitness and nutrition, it increases happy drugs. I mean, it's really what it is. Your, your body's a drugstore. Okay, so why is it then that, that my body says, hey, Bruce, you really don't want to do this. You know, you really don't want to go to the gym, even though there's something in there that, you know, I know I'll feel better after, but there's a stronger voice that says, no, you really don't want to do that. Why is that? Yeah, you, you said you said body. It's not the body; it's the mind. Yeah, the mind, the mind is doing it for sure. Of course. Yeah, it, I I talk I tell it to my yoga te- my yoga kids all the, nah, yoga people all the time yeah. is like the single most challenging thing. Like we worry about the yoga pose, we worry about the weight, we worry about the mileage you're going to run or whatever. The toughest thing to do is to decide you're going to do it. Like hands down. Like when you you make it to my yoga studio and you get in the door, you you've won. You know, like yeah. you're whatever, regardless what happens in the next hour, you have already beaten the hardest thing because. It's just how it's just so simple. I mean, it just it's a 50-50 chance of choices of you're going to get up and go or you're going to sit here. And sitting here is way easier than getting up and going. So I always tell people like the first thing you're going to do is just take in a deep breath and just decide that you're going to go. I, I it seems so easy, but yeah, the brain's going to mess with you. It, it's fear. It, it's scaredness. You know, it's in, in the moment. And what happens is you start to get over the fear. And then you also kind of relish in the post-workout kind of vibe. You know, you, you realize what it can do for you. And you want you that's where we, as a nutritionist and a fitness instructor, you've got to get the, trying to get the people to that level where I can show you that if you tweak little things in your diet, little things in your fitness, you're going you're, you're gonna to want to run through a wall. You know, it, it's mindful in the fact that you're just going to be a better machine to move through this awesome life. And that's kind of what it comes down to in the end. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we really are machines. That's for sure. And I think Mm -hmm. the more I think of my body that way, the more successful I am. I find that. 
Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's, it's, it's real. It's, there's no, there's no woo woo to it. You exercise and be mindful and, and increase your nutrition a little bit. I guarantee you're going to have a, I don't even want to say better, just you'll, you'll feel better. I don't know about you have a better life, yeah. but you'll just, you'll be a happier person, period. And wow. then it, that'll, that'll mindfully permeate throughout all of your, your kids, your family, your friends, your loved ones, your job. Like sure. you increase, the only thing you can control in this world is you and you can increase you. That thing's going to then permeate and then scientifically, you know, it's going to diffuse. It's going well, to diffuse yeah. throughout the the, eth- the ethos. Yeah, for sure. And I'm definitely happier when I feel better. I mean, I I, yeah. I certainly know that. A couple of years ago, maybe it was almost three. I think it was around two years ago. I I met a guy that uh, talked about sugar and how sugar is oh, you know, yeah. bad news <laughs> and all this stuff and how it's you know it's used in so many products to just kind of hook us on the product and everything. Heck yeah. And and he even went so far as to call sugar a drug. And then I I looked it up and I went, well yeah okay yeah I kind of see that. And so I gave up processed sugar and. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's over over two years ago. And right. I found that it was really an awesome thing to do because it took away the decision making, you know, mm-hmm. like, well, I eat this food. Well, I eat that food. Well, no, because that is sugar in it. So it's just a no brainer. And I'm talking about, you know, processed sugar. And so it just made life a lot simpler and a lot better. And, and a really cool thing happened. And that is that after a couple of months I didn't want those products. Oh, totally. Like, It'll actually probably make you feel sick, right? Yeah, I, yeah, I definitely sure. don't want them. And, you know, my family, you know, will have, say, spaghetti, and they'll open a, a jar of spaghetti sauce. And to me, all that is is sugar <laughs> and a little tomato mixed in with it. Yeah. it. It just tastes horrible to me now. And so I just have, you know, something like butter or a little bit of cheese or something on it, and I don't want that that stuff that's all sugary. And yeah. so many products are like that, but it's really changed the way I feel. And yep. so is sugar a drug? Oh yeah, I, I think so. I, I, again, the science literature is, it's almost comical now in the fitness worlds of like articles yeah. and sciences. They're like, yeah. ha ha, sugar's a drug again. Cause yeah. yes, it's, it's evil, especially the, the, the abundance of it. Yeah. You eat fruit and stuff, it's going to be in there. Like you're saying, like where For they're sure. actually adding it in. But yeah, it's, it's, it's incredibly, it's, it's toxic where they, they did a, there was a study where I want to say it was with sucralose. It was a, mm-hmm. or aspartame. It was a artificial sweetener where yeah. the rats nine out of 10 times chose the aspartame over cocaine. <laughs> so oh. therefore it's, 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 it's addictive, you know, and it, yeah. we're talking neural pathways and, and yeah. chemicals. You're, you're, it's a feedback mechanism. That sugar is a reward, reward sensor and you literally get addicted to it. I know in my, I'm a pretty healthy eater. Mm-hmm. When I do go off the deep end a little bit around holidays, whatever, if I just have one sugary meal where I, mm-hmm. you know, I went, I broke down, I had, cause I'm somebody, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it hard. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. if I'm going to eat cake, I'm going to eat like a lot of cake, you right, know? Yeah. And then that next day I, I feel, I find myself craving the cake. Like, I'm like, oh my God, it's bad. Yes, like that, yes. that little that little dip in the in the in the in the in the pot but mm-hmm. the craziest thing like you're talking about mine was a uh, diet coke mm-hmm. i was a huge diet coke drinker and it took me i was like 30 days i'm not going to drink diet coke one of my yeah. one of my friends really challenged me and that was freaking hard yes i like i mean at like day 18 we were at a volleyball tournament and i smelled it and i was like oh my god <laughs> i was like i want that so badly <laughs> but now it does not taste good it, yeah. it really doesn't it tastes weird it tastes like soap or something you know yeah, so it doesn't taste body, like a real food it just yeah, doesn't yeah. taste right yeah so that that's completely real but it i'm definitely i can i can tell you with i'm pretty body i'm pretty body aware and when i eat sugar that next day i'm like oh man i got a sweet tooth again where yeah. you know it, it's it's the science is out there it's like it's what you're talking about is ketosis versus you know sugar burning versus fat burning and there's mm-hmm. a lot of layers to it but yeah, if you can if you can just limit or cut down the sugar, you'll it's a huge indicator. I, I mean, I do the paleo thing. That's that was my big decision maker. And I liked what you said about the 
it takes the decision out of it. And that's a yeah. great way to get into fitness where I, I like the CrossFit world a little bit and yoga. It's good to go places where you're accountable with a coach. Like the CrossFit gym tells you what to do for the workout and yoga will tell you what to do for the workout where as opposed to just going to the gym and just trying to figure it out on your own. That was very liberating for me when I was even being a fitness person going into the gym when I started CrossFit of like, this is what you're doing today. I was like, oh, it was much more mindful for me because I was able to just shut it down, do what was on the board, not stress about what I was doing and just go about my day and go home, you know? Yeah. So well, I, I like I like that. The, the coaches and mentorship is a pretty big deal. Yeah. Well, we don't think about that. And I, I didn't think a lot about it either until people said it, but making those decisions really is a stressor. You know, I have oh, yeah. to decide, am I going to do this? Am I going to do that? And it's, oh, I don't know. And, and it just is so much more relaxing to just know what you're going to do. You go to do your routine and there it is. Yeah. They've, they've had studies published. There's some pretty fascinating studies on willpower. They're like mm-hmm. willpower is actually a, it's a, it's like a, it's like a gas tank. Yeah. You're going to run out of willpower. So yeah, if you like me being able to make as those deciding factors. And like you said, you were a teacher, you know, yes. no one understands as a teacher and other people have this job as well. Yeah. You know, I make, I make a decision every 60 seconds throughout the day, you know, like mm-hmm. what's going next, what's here, what's there. Can I go to the bathroom, sit down, right. be quiet. You know, yeah. I read once that the only people that make more decisions per second is doctors than teachers. Uh-huh. And I'm not, I'm not validating teachers, but I'm saying if that's your lifestyle, being able to go into a gym and not worry about what sets and reps I was going to do. I'm like, all right, Bill, what are we doing today? You know, it was just like, that was like, that was just like a breath of fresh air for me. It was like a decom- decompressor as opposed to just another stressor in my life. And yeah, like you said, you just decide a nutritional platform. That's, I kind of go with the mindset of with the, with the world of information today. You just have to decide like, I'm going to follow this for a while. So like right, right now I, I listen to Dave Asprey, the Bulletproof Diet, and I drink Bulletproof Coffee. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's the diet I'm going to go on for a while as opposed to constantly reading articles and just flipping back and forth between high carb, low carb, low fat, high fat. You know, you're just like, oh, forget it. So that, that would be it. That's my advice to a lot of people when they start nutrition is like, okay, what, what's your, what's your protocol? Make it, make it, make it a little, have some parameters around it. And that's what you're sticking to for a while, you know, and if you fall off it, your willpower is going to fall. Just fill it back up later and get back on the train. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so what, what sort of a routine do you do physically? Like when you work out? Uh, I wake up in the morning and I go downstairs, I walk the dogs. Um, I've been, then I'll do, I make my coffee and I, I make buttered coffee and I, I've been eating a can of sardines lately and it's actually been great. (laughs) It sounds gross, but it's really satiating. The buttered coffee has been the greatest nutritional thing I've ever put into my system. I I just, I find it to be life changing and I I just do, It, it fills you up. It makes you go and so then throughout the day, uh, usually in the morning, I'll, I've been trying to now sit in the morning. I get up early. I give myself an hour and 15 minutes in the morning because I'm a morning person. Mm-hmm. I'll sit down. I'll watch a TED Talk. I'll hang out with my dogs. I don't like just rushing to work. Mm-hmm. I just I just don't. If I ever oversleep and have to crush work, it, it makes me stress throughout the whole day. Yeah. So I've been trying to sit. Uh, if I'm really motivated, I'll do a, just a few push-ups or something just to get the blood going. A few, you know, what's called upward hands. You just inhale your arms up, forward, fold down, come back up, and just kind of go through that a little bit. Just get the body going. Uh, then I teach, go throughout the day. I, I try and wear, I try and wear like flat shoes. I try and keep my feet straight and you know, I'm aware of my posture throughout the day. Nothing crazy. Um, if I have time, I'll stretch on the desk, you know, whatever, something silly. Like I keep a couple mobility tools at my, at my, my work. Cause you know, we have free periods and downtime mm-hmm. as teachers here and there. And then after school, it, uh, it'll right now it's coaching. So I'll do a lot of tennis coaching, but I either will do yoga. I'll go to a yoga class. Um, or I'll do, uh, I'll do CrossFit. I'm, I'm an instructor at a CrossFit gym. 
So I do that, and then that'll pretty much be it. It'll most most days I do something active. Mm-hmm. At minimum, I'll just do yoga or kind of gymnastics, like that arm balance stuff you you, you saw on the internet, like right. some more strength advanced things. But you know, worst comes to worst, I'd fire up a video on the on YouTube if I wanted to and try and do just something. But even just a little bit like that really can really can have a permea permeation through you. And if I'm really on fire and I'm pumped up, I'll I do cold showers before bed, and, mm-hmm. I, and I'm kind of a weirdo. And then. Uh, <laughs> And then I'll try and sit for a little bit. I'll try and do a little bit of mindfulness before sleeping. You know, yeah. that definitely that definitely helps me as well. And recently I bought a traction table. I bought an inversion oh, table. Oh, so I've been I've been hanging upside down like a bat for five minutes a day. How's that feel? <laughs> I dig it. It's it's hard on your ankles. The ankles is you're supposed to be able to do it for like upwards of twenty minutes, mm-hmm. but uh, it's different. It's it's something that I I've heard about a lot in the blogosphere. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I always want to attempt it before I tell my clients about it and mm-hmm. my friends. But I dig it. I I really do like it. I haven't noticed total impacts but when i when i stand up it i think it just goes into the ideology of inversion where you're it's good to be inverted yoga wise and otherwise versus as well as the traction in the spine but you got to be a little careful i've read about where you got to make sure your core is on tight and i I'm, i don't want to i'm not sound like i'm tooting my horn but i've done a lot of sit-ups i have a pretty strong core mm-hmm. so like i was i was not afraid to go full inversion but you're they tell you you're supposed to like ease into the full hanging upside down kind of mode where oh, yeah. I just, I just kind of went hard and went into it, but uh, I feel fine. So oh, that's not, good. still good. Oh, that's good. I'd like to try that sometime. Yeah. It's a, the teeter, teeter tables, the teeter hangups. Oh yeah. T E T E R I think something like that. Okay. Well, check it out. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'd like that. Well, yeah, it's great cool. talking with you today, Alex. Awesome. <laughs> I had so, a blast. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for talking with me about the brain and how it, you know, can help control this machine and in the positive ways. Yep, yep <laughs> for awesome. sure. Yeah. Well, you take care. See you, Alex. All right. See you, Bruce. Bye now. Hey, Mindful Tribe. Thanks again for joining us. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Alex Hofeld today. Are you having a hard time with decision making, with getting routines to stick for you? Are you feeling stressed and anxious? Maybe your inner bully is taking control over your mind right now. How would it feel? Just take a second and think about how it would feel to take back control. How would it feel to have a calm, focused feeling throughout the day? We need to talk. I can help you find your inner center, find the contentment that is supposed to be central in your life. Let's talk on Zoom about how I can help you through coaching and hypnosis. Hypnosis has quicker results than some of the other methods of moving through blocks that are holding you back. And all of this is attainable. Don't think, oh, you know, I could never do this or it'll cost too much money or or this isn't right for me. You know why? Because you're worth it. You are worth it. And so I just really urge you to send me an email at bruce at mindfulnessmode.com and put willpower in the subject line. Willpower. And that way I'll know that you heard me on this episode. You do have what it takes to make a change and become empowered. You do have willpower. And I know that even though sometimes it feels like there's you know, nothing we can do to make the positive changes we need. You can do this. And, and sometimes we just need help. 
So reach out to me, send that email, send that email to bruce at mindfulnessmode.com and we will talk on Zoom. We'll get together, we'll have a conversation on Zoom about how I can help you become more empowered in your life and become more calm and more centered and more, well, just feel better about you and what's happening in your life. So... I look forward to talking to you very much. Take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.